0: pool fast. I mean, that's what everybody says, you shoot big-time pool.
1: Now I know why they call you Fast Eddie. Eddie is the best of the Hustlers, but winning the big game takes more. Eddie, you're a born loser. He'll break your heart, your guts. It's what you're and he hasn't. you get off that
2: back, sir? Once the ball with would you get out? Would you get off my back? George C. Scott Piper
1: Laurie, Jackie Gleason. Shoot pool fast, Eddie. And Paul Newman. I'm shooting pool fats when I miss you, and shoot. As The Hustler, Monday at seven.
2: VFX has changed the industry, and everyone who does it is the,
0: is the king. It is. And, and the hustler was the uh, original uh, king of the VFX movie back in <laughs> 1961. Yeah. For the moon landing. Well, you know, now that we have uh, we've just wrapped up the annual <laughs> Reconcina Studios mandatory employee billiards tournament, which, by the way, congratulations, David, you won that tournament. Thank you. H- How'd it feel?
2: Six year in a row, feel great. Uh, and of course, everyone who loses, uh, that's a pink slip.
0: Yeah, you, you can't. You can't be beat, you man. Go. You're brutal. I take them down, and uh, I make no apologies. Yeah, it's a mandatory thousand dollar buy in, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no exceptions. Every employee, top to bottom, from from uh, the executive staff to, all the way down to the uh, the janitorial team, has to participate and. Uh, it was, uh, it's a big money pot that, uh, David, congratulations on, on winning that.
2: Thank you. No, no, it's, uh, one of my best, best
0: efforts, uh, so far. So <laughs> better luck next year suckers. <laughs> well, with that being said, it's time to circle back. We're going to dial the way, way back machine and take it a little bit. Uh, I think earlier, this is might be our, our, our oldest film that we're going to discuss tonight because, It is the Newman New Year. We're going to be celebrating Paul Newman all of the entire month of January in the new year of 2022. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brett Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And yes, we're going back earlier than that even uh, to look at... The Paul Newman classic, The Hustler. Hmm. This is about a, a guy who hustles. The guy That's is, right. Uh, exactly. He got... hustles, hustles for money. And he likes the color of that money, too, I heard. Hmm. Oh, oh, look at you. <laughs> oh, zing. Well, uh, you know, we had a really fun month of December here. We had a great holiday season. We looked back at uh, Lethal Weapon, Better Off Dead, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with our dear friend Matt Donnelly. And then uh, just prior to New Year's, we had J. Blake Fisch- Fischera back on the episode, uh, looking back at Rocky II. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great that we're all fine. The three of us are back in the studio together, finally. Oh. Yeah, good to be right. back happy new year's guys happy, yeah happy new year 2022 let's go killing it already and 2022 I- i'm just saying it right now it's going to be a much better year than 2021 it's it's we're only going up from here so <laughs> I hope you're right. right and there's only one man who could get it started on the right foot and that is the jackie legend Gleason. jackie gleason <laughs> <Exactly. Yes. laughs> murray hamilton Murray <laughs>
2: Hamilton. It's definitely Murray Hamilton. <laughs> uh, it would be Paul Newman for oh, Newman New Year. Newman New Year. I I am so excited to be talking about a movie where you've got um, you've got what Ebenezer Scrooge slash George Patton, yeah, uh, slash and and Butch Cassidy and uh, the mayor from Jaws in the same scene. I mean, and, there's and Ralph, Ralph Cramden too. And Ralph Cramden there. Like, come on. All the stars are here.
1: It's, <laughs> it's, it's
2: Hollywood. It's the biggest night in Hollywood. All the stars <laughs> are here. <laughs> no, this is yes. an exciting
0: movie. Big stars, big movie. Great performances. Um, oh. Yeah. This Great is an movie. Yeah. This is this is uh, this is an iconic movie. This is uh, you know we don't often talk about older films, you know we don't really go too far beyond 1970 but uh it's really That would be an important. older film, John. Just I'm putting it out there. It is 2022. <laughs> All the movies we talk about
1: are older. They're from the <laughs> 70s, 80s and 90s. But we don't typically talk about movies this old. This
0: yeah. old. Th- that that is true. But they're really important. People don't watch, you know, in general, the audience for these kinds of films is kind of evaporating and, and and dissipating. And it's really important that that especially young filmmakers coming up, like I always try to preach to my office staff and, and people I work with that, like, when you get in this business, like you should know the history of it and know Like there are great films Uh, just because they're in black and white doesn't mean that they're not good. (laughs) So it's, I really stress like go back occasionally and check out some of these, the hustler being one of the, the, one of my favorite films with amazing performances all around great cinematography. Just, it's a whole, I mean, it's a clinic, like the whole film is a, is a clinic, as I think is its sequel, which we will talk about later. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's really uh, and looking back at it this time, too, it really jumped out at me like how how great this movie really is. Uh, but what about what did, what about you guys? When was the first time you saw or heard about The Hustler? Well, I'll just say like The Hustler was always on my
2: mind. Uh, as well as the color of money the sequel but i I never gave it the the uh the attention and it was always like oh i gotta watch the hustler i got to i think john you and i have spoken i'm like oh we should do we should do those movies uh this is sort of like but only because i hadn't seen it yet and for me i'm like oh this is gonna be great it's gonna be just it's gonna be a massive pool pool shark battle over and over like this is gonna be exciting and thrilling it's a uh, you know the two two sh- like pool experts just killing each other uh, uh, on the table on the felt wasn't that at all but i thought maybe like this is it like the dramatic tension was all gonna be in the game and you know the game isn't even that important uh it's 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 none of that so i had never seen it and then i only f- first saw it uh, in preparation for this is a podcast
0: so first time uh, viewing
2: first time here we go
0: all right, all right i'm I'm uh, curious what your thoughts are as we get into it we'll uh we'll hear about it but uh Brent, what about you? when did you first see it?
1: uh you know to be honest uh this might as well have been the first time i I had certainly Ooh. seen it. I had certainly seen it before, but I similar to David like I hadn't really given it much thought when I had seen it it was always on tv in passing in increments not all the way through in any way and which is i'll admit is strange because i am a big fan of color of money and we were roommates and you did talk about this movie all the time and i never i never made you watch it I, I, maybe here's the problem with college memories <laughs> they're hard for me i you know because if we did watch it in college we certainly were probably also
0: also doing paying, something else.
1: <laughs> not paying close attention right. as we as we you know we had a beer or, or twelve or I don't know exactly, but uh, I'm sure that we did. But again, I think it was all kind of in the background.
0: I remember uh, the beginnings of a lot of movies in college. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then it gets the real lazy, real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so, you know, it wasn't the first time I had seen it this last time that I watched it, but again, it was the first time I'd seen it from start to finish in one sitting and um, you know, finally, finally like saw it as a complete arc. And uh, yeah, it I'm I'm glad it finally happened because uh, you know I do like I mentioned I do love the color of money I think it's a great movie and now to have even though even though I don't really think you need to see this movie to enjoy the color of money uh, it it definitely adds to that experience and and I'm super happy to have the backstory and know more about Fast Eddie and 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 his kind of background uh, at this point. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's, um, they are, they're kind of standalone movie. They can be standalone movies, but it's just, if you've seen the hustler, it adds a nice layer of depth to the fast Eddie Felsen character and color of money, which we're going to talk about, uh, in, in the coming weeks here, we will be talking about the sequel. So which i don't know i don't even know if we want to use that word sequel it's not really it, i mean it is technically the
1: continuation yeah yeah exactly the fast eddie's saga
0: i um god paul newman first came on my radar with the poster for the color of money i remember oh. seeing it in movies 1 my local video store as a kid and i just loved that the framing of that poster and of course, like very fascinated with Paul Newman's beautiful face <laughs> was always uh, those just blue uh, eyes. there's something so captivating about him. Um, and I didn't really watch a lot of Paul Newman movies growing up until I got into the deeper part of high school. And when I really found the, the, you know, the 70s movies, the new Hollywood wave, and I kind of my uncle, you know, coached me through most of those, but he didn't really guide me in Paul Newman's direction. I kind of found that on my own working at Suncoast. I remember just I I grabbed Butch Cassidy and I was like, oh, this is I like everybody loves this movie. So I got it, watched it, fell in love with that. And then I just kept going Newman movie after Newman movie, Um, you know, Cool Hand Luke. uh, I think I did like The Towering Inferno next, which we've covered here. And you can check out in our archives at Mm www.reconcinemation.com. And then I found the hustler on Laserdisc. And I mean, I was so into this movie. And and we're going to talk about where this falls into Newman's career and why this is kind of a perfect, perfect role for him at just the right time. But once I saw that, then I just was all the way in. And I was I watched a ton of Newman movies. And when he passed away, I watched every Paul Newman movie that is available from the earliest ones you could find all the way through, uh, I mean, Cars, technically, and then Empire Falls were right around the same time. And and the, I think he narrated a NASCAR documentary was the, the very last thing he did. But um, so I love a good Newman movie. That's so. some commitment
1: right there. I, I'm, yeah. I'm interested at, at some point, uh, maybe this, this episode or maybe when we get into Color of Money, talking about where these movies fit in the pantheon of all his
0: movies like where
1: where they rank
0: yeah well I mean well we can talk about this one right now like this the hustler is top five at a minimum you know maybe even top three it's so important in his career in his sort of journey and just it's just good I mean like it's his performance is so amazing and and there's so much depth with his character, uh, that was on, you know, just took a step further than a lot of what was out there at that time. So, uh, for me, this is like, this is, this is top three. I'm going to say,
2: Oh, wow. nice. yeah.
0: and color money isn't far behind, but there's a lot more out there we'll, we'll talk about that when we cover that movie, but there's a lot more debate about that movie. and And there are a lot of detractors of it out there. So. Um, it's a little more stylized it's mm-hmm. it's a little more i don't know you have a little bit of the 80s factor it's not too bad but um you know it's also scorsese which people people forget that that's him yeah. oh
2: that's a scorsese movie
0: oh yeah, All right. oh, yeah. oh neat yeah. All right. uh but this one originated with a novel that was written in 1959 by walter tevis now he's got another uh another very popular uh uh You know, piece of his is what what, I'm fumbling over my words right now. (laughs) He's got another uh piece of his work out there that's very popular right now. Mm -hmm. Do anybody know what it is? Popular on Netflix, maybe last year? Two years ago, maybe. It's the Queen's Gambit. Okay. Yeah, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, that's great. He wrote the original book. He wrote the original book, and it's just I would have never guessed that, but yes, uh, the the person who wrote the, the Hustler and The Color of Money also wrote uh, Queen's Gambit. So, good for him for still sounds, uh, making some money.
2: That sounds thematically, you know, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it does uh, story-wise, I think it does actually sort of, they all kind of line up with each other. Yeah. Huh. Um, but The Hustler, uh, you know, it was a story, it centers on uh, Fast Eddie Felson, who's a a pool hustler who is basically just trying, trying to prove himself and trying to, to be the best. And we kind of follow him along his journey and and his, his, his uh, games against Minnesota fats, who is one of the best pool players in the country and, and uh, traveling around with sort of a manager. And, and while at the same time, Uh, having a relationship with a woman and trying to balance all of that together. And and what happens to Eddie along the way, Um, this was originally the, the film was originally optioned for Frank Sinatra to star in. Can you guys, can you guys picture Frank Sinatra? Instead of Newman? Yeah. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I I I don't know. I mean, I I can see it, but it just would not have the, I don't know. Wouldn't speak quite as loudly as this one does. Yeah, I can definitely see it, but I'm glad it's not,
1: right? Like, I'm glad that that went away and it ended up being Newman because, I mean, like you've been saying, this is one of his most iconic roles. <clears throat> so, you know, he nailed it. Sinatra would have been a little strange in retrospect, but
0: well, and, and at the not-
1: time he was huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, a huge star. Um, he And it's not that Sinatra is a... He's not a bad actor. I think he only fits, I think he fits in certain roles and certain movies he's excellent in. But this one, just you can get so much more out of it with the right, the best casting choice, which is where it eventually went. With him, I'm sure the movie would have been fine. I just, I don't know if it would have hit that iconic level that.
1: Yeah. I mean like the smooth talking slick pool player part I think he would have probably nailed right but mm-hmm. I think the dramatic stuff you know the the really heavy stuff especially towards the end of the movie I I, I don't know that he would have been able to to
0: hit that uh as significantly as as Newman did I don't I don't know if Sinatra could have could dig as deep as Newman did and you know Sinatra's a little more of a flat kind of performance he's not as as uh, I don't know, just as emotional as as Newman could get or a lot of other actors. But and sometimes it worked for Sinatra and uh, here, I don't know, it, it I think the, it went the right way. And the original drafts of the script were were really heavy on the pool play and and, you know, the gameplay there and the sport of 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 billiards and and not just the, the love story and the, the human emotion emotional side of the story was not as prevalent it was much more of sort of a sports movie really so well, I, it, uh, that's what i was looking forward to
2: but no i, I feel like oh I, I i was expecting something great big sports movie lots of pool uh, and there's and there's there's plenty of pool in the, in the movie but
0: it's more concentrated I mean? I mean there's like a
1: 45 minute scene of of newman and jackie gleason playing you know yeah i mean sets up the whole rest of the this you know the payoff in the final act but or part of the payoff in the final act i should say the smaller part of the of, of the payoff in the final act but it uh it, that scene was pretty lengthy i felt like that, oh yeah that battle
2: 36 hours of pool playing yeah, yeah. incredible yeah. <clears throat> um no, I mean, there's plenty of pool in the movie. I, I'm not sure what I was expecting, really, but it is a, it is a, a character drama. Like there's so much the psychological drama between uh, all these characters and uh, and what, you know, finding meaning in what they're doing every day and all of that. And it's, it, I was surprised. I was surprised by a lot of the characters in this film. <laughs> so um, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was expecting. Um, I had an idea. But yeah, it's not a sports movie. It's very much a, you know,
1: it's a drama that oh yeah uh, has some pool in it. Yeah, very character driven.
0: Yeah. I mean, do Jackie Gleason, I think, is my favorite character in this I, movie. The I, whole Minnesota like,
1: Fats character.
0: He, mm-hmm. watching Oof. it this time, his performance really stood out to me. Like, he felt, watching him in The Hustler, I, like, I could have seen him easily, like, in The Godfather, in The Sopranos, You know, it was just so much said. You guys know, I've talked about it a million times here. There's so much said without dialogue with his character in particular. And even he just carries himself.
1: Like the way he carries himself in the movie, it's like, there's just like this element of class. Like I love the 36 hour pool hall scene where they're battling back and forth for, for the money. And, you know, it's the end, kind of the end of that run. And he's in the back, like just cleaning up, like, like cleaning his hands off and getting all prepped and proper. And meanwhile, you got Newman who's over to the side, just like hammered and like just disheveled and just 36 hours of, you know, it's probably 30 hours of the 36 hours of, of just the battle. And, and, you know, Jackie Gleason comes out and he's like already he's like, all right, let's go rack him, And he's just like, like he hasn't been there for five minutes.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that entire scene, I mean, is one of the obviously one of the standout scenes in the film, the long, you know, 36 hour or 36 hours ish uh, game of pool that really shows you what this movie is. I mean, you know, we see we meet Fast Eddie and and his uh, I don't know, is that guy sort of his manager or his sort of partner i guess
2: yeah his partner charlie is sort of yeah yeah, he sort of recruits him to do that and you know they're yeah they're partners but like you know uh eddie's the the true talent right so he's the right um but you know charlie's there looking out for him and and helping him and bangrolling him and all that and it's
0: yeah but they're basically traveling the country playing small time you know doing small time pool hustles and and we see in that opening scene which was almost not put into the film. Hmm. Uh editor Dee Dee Allen, who's another legend, uh has talked about how the, the studio wanted uh to cut that film just for time or that scene just for time. Oh that it they, they didn't feel like it really played in. But she was explaining how it really gives you what you need to know about the hustling part the, the, the yeah. what what Fast Eddie does who he is you see everything sort of about him as the movie begins. It's like, that's, that's it. That's what the hustler, he's the hustler. That's what it is. So. Well, I feel like, I feel like in modern day movies, that would have been
1: the last scene and fast Eddie would have won, right? Like that would have been the battle to overcome. And here's like, I really enjoyed this movie. And I, again, I think the acting is phenomenal, but I will say that my one gripe in this movie is that a lot of the scenes seem really rinse and repeat like it's a lot of laying around and like fast eddie like sleeping whether he's like exhausted and sleeping in a train station or laid up you know and and another pool you know like a billiards scene or whatever like it's kind of always framed in the same way which you know like got a little repetitive for me yeah but but the the character acting and everything that was happening with the people like carries it so well but i did feel like there's not a lot of change in in kind of tone with that with that kind of stuff from scene to scene
0: yeah i i wonder if that's just part of the style of film back then i know i don't know if you saw a lot of that like what you're saying the the tone kind of changing
1: yeah I mean, did you guys get that at all? Or I mean, like, it's just something that I noticed. Like, I, I... I,
0: I felt it more from a pacing standpoint. That right. that it really, you know, I, I think when you get to the the love story side of it, which is also you know a huge part of the emotional content of the film, and great on its own, but it's it is a change, a kind of a drastic change of pace from the way the pool scenes are cut together. It's yeah. long, slow paced. You know, long shots. Whereas the pool scenes are just cut, cut, cut in a good way, um, you know, like almost like an action scene.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, I do feel like the throughout the course of the movie, you know, I think it's George Shee Scott, uh, Bert's character, who says, you know, Eddie, you're just a loser. Like you're, you know, like he he kind of repeats that over and over again. And I feel like I feel like we see that throughout. Like he always kind of gets in his own way. And I think him and you know, like Fast Eddie and Sarah, like, are enabling to each other, you know, like, they're both kind of flawed in, in, in many regards. And Mm -hmm. like, you just see them kind of always sabotaging themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, with her, it's her drinking with him. It's, you know, a couple different things, but it's, you know, like, it's that kind of told over and over again. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, again done really well but uh you know just kind of seems repetitive at points
0: yeah i i that didn't bother me um i see what you're saying though like I I, yeah. I I get what you mean by that i think that's part of what is this is a common thread with paul newman's performances and, and the roles that he chooses we've talked about it before in some of the Other movies we covered, Slapshot here, we've covered Nobody's Fool, um, all of which you can find in the archives at www.reconsummation.com. But he often was attracted to those characters who were sort of um, the anti hero, someone who always sort of, like you said, got in their own way, uh, you know, never really got the big moment that they maybe should have had, but found some kind of Uh, peace and their own kind of happiness uh through that so you know and this is really the beginning of that kind of role for newman this is the first time he's really finding that character like there's there's a similarity to you know so many of his characters whether it's you know fast eddie or, or luke in cool hand luke or butch cassidy or um you know, his character from The Sting and Slapshot, all of his great, The Verdict, um, so many of his great movies are all very similar people. And uh, it all starts here. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's sort of like, uh, I, I think with,
2: yeah, all of his roles is like, you know, you want to see growth and change in like a movie, right? You get two hours to sort of see a character arc. And a lot of his roles, like, his character isn't really capable of like monumental change. Like there's no, there's often not a third act sort of like revolution or, you know, like of like, Oh, I'm, I'm now forever changed by things. could be slightly changed, but I think it's like, it's more to the point of like how, you know, we, we all change and grow as we grow older and everything, but you don't even, you don't really necessarily see it. Right. So, you're kind of always the same person, even though you might have incremental, like little changes in a film like, like this or any of Paul Newman's movies. It's like, it's um, that that you're sort of talking about John is like sort of, uh, you know, change might be possible, but like there's an inevitably you're always kind of still the same person. And then, but where do you find where you can maybe, find some change or maybe find a new a new entry into something different because he hasn't like you know fast daddy really doesn't change much in this movie like
1: i mean uh, yeah well uh, i mean he does a bit until, until the end right i mean the end is all about like what forces kind of that transformation so to what you're saying david you know like yeah the characters don't really change much unless there's some kind of outside driving force and that's where like Sarah's character to me is probably the most important character in the whole movie right I mean Mm -hmm. she there's there's a lot of this stuff going on and she's not in the majority of it but her storyline is what you know really drives that transformation for him absolutely
0: yeah I I I would say he does change I mean he's The thing with his character is is he's the rebellious anti-hero right and right and he does find a way to you know sort of fight back against uh Bert uh Bert Gordon and and the whole establishment that he's created there but it's at a price and that's that's something that always is gonna whether it's his own life or somebody else's life. Like there's, that's always another theme that, that uh, we'll, we'll kind of circle back around on the themes of this movie, but that uh, you'll see in a lot of his films. Um, but it so is- I think through that there is change. I think there's growth. I think there's really a huge amount of growth with his character. Um, he's sort of turning a corner and then we, we will pick up that character years later with the color of money. And I think mm. there you see, you see the change that he was able to sort of stabilize himself. Yeah. But, um, but, in,
1: but in this, in this story, like that, that, that change or, or that turn for him is, you know, like, I think I, I, he wins by kind of accepting his reality, right. Instead sure. of, yeah. you know, he kind of surrenders to the, the reality that he's dealt instead of, you know, continuing to chase his dreams. Right. Like yeah. he gives up yeah. on that and just becomes, accepting of his situation
2: yeah well that's what's so great about the script of like it's just you know like you know there's so many ways we're used to like again monumental change of the 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 protagonist through absolutely insane uh you know circumstances and uh like the matrix yeah exactly like the matrix my favorite movie you know that um but like it's uh it's he's changed just enough to, to really affect where he's supposed to go. But how much different is he really, right? You can almost see him going back to just hustling through, you know, just driving through ta- towns all throughout America and doing it. He's, he's changed slightly, right? Because he's going to accept that reality. But he could be living the exact same lifestyle that we, we were, you know, used to seeing him in. If It wouldn't be a surprise. We wouldn't be like, oh, that's weird. Well, until
1: John's, whoa, sorry.
2: Yeah, but like, but obviously with Sarah as a catalyst, you know, for for him and what happened and his actual, you know, his actual uh, interaction with Minnesota Fats, like those were kind of major things, right? There was no, no hint of like a woman changing his life or, you know, him meeting his, you know, his hero slash, you know, big, big enemy you know or or his rival you know like so we got to see him at a very specific point so it's almost like you could see him go in either direction right like either forever change in a a positive way um or you know he could re-enter the world he was always in Mm -hmm. but having experienced these things i don't know it's there's this there's a subtlety of the whole thing that makes it interesting i think
1: yeah and to john's point that's what makes like seeing where that path is taken in color of money, it becomes Hmm. even more kind of it's a, it's a good little complete picture.
2: Yeah. I can imagine like 25 years later, he probably like almost no one would be the same 25 years later or whatever the, the time span is. I think it's about that. So, but even still like that's, that's why like the incremental change is kind of important. Like, we're, we're seeing Eddie in the same within a within a what a four month span, maybe like Some, you know, something like that. Yeah, how different? How different are you four months apart versus 25 years apart, you know? But, um, but you can still change. I mean,
1: there's still room for change.
0: Well, um, yeah, I mean, he's sort of forced to change by the end.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, up until that moment though, like, so the scene obviously, so i um, uh, we haven't said it, but Sarah ends up committing. Suicide at the towards the end of the movie, which is kind of the driving factor behind why Fast Eddie does kind of change his perception on things. But up until that point, we still see him repeatedly like push to win, even though he's losing. You know, I mean, like he's, he's yeah. kind of still fall, he falls in kind of to the same traps and stuff like that. And sometimes he wins, like when he fights um, or fights, when he plays. Uh, Oh, shoot. What's the character's name? The billiards player. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton. Yeah. When he plays Murray Hamilton, you know, like it is one of those things where he's starting to lose, but he does come out a winner. But, you know, you still see the same kind of trends where it's like he just doesn't know when to stop. Like he just continues to push and push. push. His
0: drive to win and prove himself is... You know, too dominant with him. Yes, and we see it's a, it, and it's a flaw, right? I mean, that's the that's the major thing we walk away with from the that thirty six hour pool game against Minnesota Fats, which is, you know, he's come and what's it, is it, uh, what city was it? They really don't. I don't know if they ever actually say if that's is that. I don't New think York? they
1: say, but I think it's New York. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it, I read that it it's in New, New York. York. Yeah,
0: but um, so you know, he shows up too specifically. Take on Minnesota Fats and prove himself that he's he's the best that he's going to win. He's going to take it from the like the title from the best player in the country, and and he almost does. I mean, he well he could have. It's back and forth, and then we see Eddie just winning and winning and winning, and really he's got the total upper hand. He's dominating Minnesota Fats and uh, Jackie Gleason in a great performance, an amazing performance. You know, calls on george c scott's character to kind of come over and start keeping an eye on this and start ha- helping with the bankroll for right or the you know uh eddie won't give up until minnesota fats quits and that's well, right what- and
1: because of some unspoken pool hall hustler rule book you know like fast eddie can't be the one to say okay we're not playing anymore like Minnesota fats because he was the one that was challenged. Yeah. Gets to, gets to call it. And, you know, this goes back to the scene where he's just like unwavering, like he's, you know, he's weathered, he's done this like 36 hour pool, pool matches for him are like a common occurrence where young fast Eddie is uh, you know, he's done himself no great service by getting drunk and being not up to the uh, the task, um, endurance wise. And so I, I,
0: I love that moment where you know George C. Scott finally arrives and it's just silently watching. I don't think he says anything. And then Newman, after I don't know, I don't remember what hour it is, but it's somewhere around like twenty-four, the twenty-fourth hour, or maybe a little later, that he just gets a little too cocky and is you know, kind of trash talking Minnesota fats and George C. Scott just leans over and tells Minnesota fats, just stay with this kid. He's a loser Mm -hmm. because he just revealed himself that he's, he's about to lose and, and he does. And Minnesota fats is, is so good. That's what makes him so good that he can, he can stick it out, that he's going to go, he's going to go in the back room, wash his face, wash his hands, get cleaned up, you know, fix his suit, you know, probably get something to eat. And Fast Eddie is just drinking, 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 and is is you could clearly, he's exhausted, drunk, um, overtired, and he's gonna lose the whole thing. He's wasn't he eighteen thousand dollars ahead at something one like point, that.
2: yeah, something like that, yeah.
0: And then by the end, he's <clears throat> he's got two hundred dollars left, and and Minnesota won't even take it, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. and then he calls it, yeah, <laughs> and he blew it. Uh, and, and Charlie is sort of his trying to be his moral epicenter and just try to like, you know, quit, just quit when you're ahead, just stop. And he's fighting against fast Eddy's ego and, and his passion to, to prove himself. And it's just, he, there's no way he's going to win.
1: Is he, is he his moral center? I don't know. Like to me, like he's, he's the, he's just the money man. You know, well, he, but I think he's more he than was, that. He was he was fine when the when the money was coming in, but when the money started getting low, then he spoke up. I mean, I apparently, uh,
0: you know, later they seem in to the, have a father son. Yeah, later in the movie we do
1: see a bit of a a, a a stronger relationship there, but but I mean, again, I mean, he's just as part of the hustler, you know, the 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 con man hustling world where, mm-hmm. you know, you got these money money guys who just sit there and like kind of protect your financial interests or their financial interests, you know? Yeah. But I, I guess to your point, yeah, we do see, we do see that relationship is a little bit stronger than that.
0: I think you're it's intended that, that they've been traveling together for quite some time, who knows how long and that there is some kind of bond between the two of them. I, I don't know. Maybe it's more, I think it's a bond that's sort of gotten fractured as Eddie's gotten better, that he starts to feel like Charlie is maybe just there for the money and Charlie cares about Eddie and isn't he's there for the money for sure, but also cares what happens to him and doesn't want to see him throw his own talent and life away. So um, So is Eddie Eddie
2: like Tony the Machine Gun and Charlie is more <laughs> like Rocky Balboa than Rocky Five? And they're not seeing each other the way they
0: need to see each other. Is that you're, you're right. Saying? This is this is a very parallel story to Rocky <laughs> 5. <laughs>
1: uh, I was going to say that Eddie doesn't probably appreciate what Charlie's doing for him until he really has a guy that is all about the money when Bert right. ends up be, becoming his money manager guy. Which, yeah. by the way, George C. Scott, in this is also amazing. Like he's so good, oh, here. so good. And I,
0: all all these guys, uh, you know, I guess let let's talk about all these act these four the four main actors in the movie. They're all killing it. And They're all killing it. It's all coming at at sort of similar places in their career. Uh, I think uh, Jackie Gleason was probably the biggest star out of them. From The all. Honeymooners, Just, right? Right. The Honeymooners yeah. was on. Which, by the way. I feel like our entire lives, there's been just episode after episode after episode of honeymooners on, on, uh, you know uh, on television like all Nick day night. Or, yeah, yeah all i haven't night. seen
2: a honeymooners in about 25 years oh but it's so. on but if it's you on.
1: look for it i bet i bet you I'm can Sure, if it. i was looking for it yeah, now I is
0: can. there but is there only one season of it technically i i think there's actually not <laughs> that many same, episodes it's the same is six really? episodes this whole time no i since. have no idea
1: <laughs> as much as it's been on my entire life i've never actually I, sat down to watch it I, I don't watched, even know if I've seen a duplicate. <laughs> I watch, I watch some I Love Lucy, but uh I, I've never really seen any of the yeah. <laughs>
0: but you know oh my was... god
2: one season 39 episodes, yeah. Right, just over That's and over. True. But I think That's there's incredible. also other specials
0: that they did, and,
2: and wasn't that did... like
1: the most popular show for yeah.
2: For a long, long time. It ran from October 55 to September 56. So it ran for a year. And then I'm sure just was constantly on CBS. Yes, syndication. Yeah. Like over and over. over Like they just ran them.
0: Huh. But Jackie Gleason was a huge, probably the top TV star of the 50s, um, but hadn't really gotten his he had done movies, but hadn't really gotten that star role of the same quality that he had on television. I mean, he did lots of late night appearances and guest appearances either as himself or as Ralph Cramden on other, mm-hmm. other shows, um, but hadn't made that jump to features. And this I think marks his first big significant role of which you would have many after this of great uh, performances with, with, you know, characters with a lot of depth and, and Minnesota fats while not having A lot of dialogue, I mean, says so much. And he really is, he really is a classy guy, sort of stuck in this world of corruption and and gambling, and that that he's accepted, you know. And when we with the end when we watch the end scene uh, where where he plays Fast Eddie again, and you see and and Eddie has his sort of uh, monologue at the end against Bert. You watch, you watch Minnesota Fats and he's got like, you know that he agrees. You know that he like sympathizes with Eddie. And he's probably seen this thing happen, this same thing happen many times. Yeah. But that's what his, his talent is. He's where he's supposed to be. So while he may like Eddie, he's not going to get, he's not going to like stand up for him. He's going to just mind his own business. So and that's a hard note to play. I mean, that's that's uh it's hard to hit that right in the right way. And Gleason just does such a great job at it.
2: Well, because like uh uh Bert is is you know, he's exploiting. Mm -hmm. He's exploiting Fast Eddie as much as he sort of exploits Minnesota Fats, right? Like, I mean he's yeah, he's his ally, but you know, he he went right over to Fast Eddie as soon as it would be an easy way to make a buck and take him to different places and make him challenge other people and bankroll him and all that so like he says he's like I'm a rich man I just like the action right so it's not like he really cared he's not like Charlie Charlie explicitly said like like, look like, which Eddie didn't even realize he's like I care about you like I you think I care about the money or the car or all that stuff you know Charlie was always in Eddie's corner and uh, as a you know as a person as a friend as a father figure mm-hmm. which we don't you know you don't get to see until they sort of express it to each other but uh there's the difference between between these two these two men that Eddie just needs their needs their support and it's very different and uh he lost that on Charlie he gave him up and then he, he takes he, he takes Bert along and you know Bert's Bert's terrible <laughs> like in, a, in comparison right yeah uh, mm-hmm. so you know Charlie or yeah Charlie was the one that wanted to end the game with Minnesota but just because it's like saw eddie was dying like you know he was just exhausted and and over and just overtaxed and you know wasn't gonna win but like yeah the code of who calls the game you know eddie was never gonna give up on um but like charlie doesn't have any kind of he's not married to the code he doesn't care about what you know you're supposed to do like it's just this is it it's over you're done you've you're spent You can't do any good here. And uh whereas uh I don't think Bert would ever ever say anything like that. You know.
0: I was just thinking, I'm gonna make a very I don't know if it's gonna be a popular comparison here, but watching it this time, what what jumped out to me was that Minnesota Fats is sort of like Darth Vader and Return of the Jedi, right? And Bert Gordon would be like the emperor. And Fast Eddie would sort of be like Luke in that that triangle of you know new sort of rising young star to maybe come in and replace the old you know the old veteran who maybe his best days are behind them, but who knows? I don't know. Does that does that? I feel awful comparing Star Wars and I mean, if of you want to relate Star Hustle. Wars
1: to this, sure, that's fine, but. <laughs>
2: I, I don't I, I don't know. Character choice wise, I mean, it's 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 thin, but it works. I mean, I think you're yeah. right. You know, these stories are all about people and emotion. You know, I don't know.
0: I'll I'll take the hustler version any day of the week, though. Sorry, I like Star Wars. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, all right. How about Piper Laurie? So I'm a big, big Piper Laurie fan, uh, mostly from Twin Peaks, but. You know, and seeing her here so much earlier than that, like I, I didn't realize when I saw Twin Peaks that she had had a, a whole career so much earlier. And and this is, I think, this is one of her early films too. I mean, she was um, she was a big theater performer and had just transitioned into films. I think she used to date Ronald Reagan right before uh, he got married to Nancy. And uh, was sort of known for like quirky kind of behind the scenes habits, very sort of method, uh, method acting kind of style that apparently when she got her dressing room for, for at uh, the studio where they were shooting the hostler, like she had it fully furnished and like moved into it. Like it was her apartment hmm. and just like some, some, you know, odd kind of things like that, but she's sort of an intense Actress, and every time I've seen her, whether it's here, Twin Peaks, uh, Carrie, uh, some of the other big roles that she's had, she's very uh, there. She's just got an intensity that that is not like a lot of other actors, especially in this era. Uh, it's a different take on this kind of uh, on this character than I think you would have seen, you know, a lot of other actresses play it uh, of the day.
1: I uh, I'm a little torn on I mean I think she's like I think Piper Laurie does a great job uh in the role but I'm a little torn on the character I think that it is probably the most important character in in the movie as far as like driving you know like we said driving fast Eddie's transformation but when she's first introduced at the train station or the bus station I thought she was incredibly interesting like I was like oh this is really like kind of, you know, like, she's just as, like, quick-witted and fast-talking as, as Fast Eddie is, right? Like, they're, they're a good, like, match, you know? And then, as we learn more about her, you know, like, it ends up, really, like, we just see her in scene after scene, like, you know, with this, you know, she's just kind of a lush, who is always, like, kind of, over drinking and it's very kind of like one, I feel like one note. And I was a little disappointed after that op- that first scene at like how little range we got to see from her. And she went from feeling really strong to me to feeling really kind of weak. And I was like, I, I was a bit disappointed in, in 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 that because I felt like that character was set up to be a lot stronger than what we ultimately end up seeing from it,
0: you know? Well, I think it's interesting that you use the word strong because I think when we see her and really Eddie, when they meet each other, they're at their weakest points. You know, personally, that Eddie's Mm -hmm. sort of broken from losing that you know losing that game She's just broken we don't really know Why we don't know much about her And maybe that that is sort of uh, Kind of what you're referring to there that Well we, we don't, don't know anything about her other
1: than The yeah. fact that she's at a bus station and it seems That she's getting ready to go And travel and she's Apparently Doesn't need a man for you know like she's You know the way that they they play that scene Like she's very self Sufficient she's you know she can hold her own. She's not intimidated by the situation or not going to be smooth talked by a fast talking, you know, uh, gentleman who also happens to be falling asleep in the seat next to her, you know, like she's, you know, she pays for his, his meal, which at Mm -hmm. the time, you know, like I have to imagine in the sixties was a very independent kind of, kind of showing, you know? And so, to me like it just seems so contrarian to where we end up seeing her in the very next scene where he runs across her in the bar and that's when we find out that she wasn't doing anything interesting she was just biding time Mm -hmm. until she could get to a place to get a drink and then from there it was just kind of i don't know like one sort of sad showing of 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 you know, boozing after another, I felt like for the most part.
0: Well, I I think, yeah, that's that's sort of what happens to them. And they sort of they find each other. They're sort of good for each other, but they they sort of are at this rock bottom place and they're really not going anywhere. And especially once Eddie, you know, gets his thumbs broken and then she's forced to take care of him. And then it's sort of like propping him back up and sort of building him like her role is sort of to, to support him and to get him back on his feet, which she does and ends up like he ends up working for Burt Gordon and, and eventually going on that uh, trip to, was it Louisville? Was it Louisville they go to? I think right. so. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, play that high stakes uh, pool game with uh, Murray Hamilton's character. And that's sort of where it all, comes crashing down for her that, you know, I think Eddie has fallen in love with her. He doesn't treat her that well, No, <laughs> you know, he's just as rough with her as he was with Charlie um, before that. And Bert Gordon just thinks she's in the way she's distracting him. She's, uh, you know, she's not helping him get his maximum, you know, play. Uh, so he, essentially drives her into suicide
2: right well it's you know that that that's it's kind of a perfect allegory though like you meet someone for the first time and there's something intriguing about them they're different they 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 have they seem to have more depth than you think Uh, there's someone new and all that and then when it's like time to get to know each other it's like oh she's as damaged as he is in her own way And now they're gonna they're gonna be damaged together, you know. And it's it's actually it's detrimental to both of them, probably, right? Like she, they probably would have been
0: probably a little bit better without each other. Yeah, which is what she says in the beginning. She says that pretty much right when they first meet that. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't really like go in that apartment together. That. Yeah.
2: And so she sort of knew it, right? But like, yeah, what's what you know? What's more intriguing than a beautiful woman? sitting by herself, reading a good book about to take a trip, you know, as far as he knew, like she was going to travel, you know, she's so all, all these things in your brain can, can talk concoct how interesting she is. Right. And then turns out, well, she might be very interesting, but she's still as damaged as anybody that, and she openly admits that like if she's not doing anything, she's drinking, you know, like, if if that that her she's at she is at rock she's been at rock bottom for a long time um she's way lower than he ever was right like you know she's our she and then that's the thing she's witnessing his descent he continues to descend she witnesses him telling his father figure to lay down and die that's why she's crying because almost i mean i don't know you can almost read that she might feel slightly responsible for that because She's offering an alternative to him, an alternative for him um, that maybe isn't the best for him. You know that he's embracing the 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 you know the dark descent um, that she's already well on her way for. It's 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 really hard to 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 like witness that and see like maybe you know yeah maybe she isn't the like she you know it's not just a sexual attraction. It's like he is drawn to her. Cause maybe she's interesting. Maybe she's a way out. And it turns out she's, she's worse than Charlie or Bert or, or, or fats maybe for him. And I don't know if that's sort of the subtext of her, you know, ending her life or something like that, the idea that she's, but she was probably going to be there inevitably. And it's, it's a sad thing. He can't save her. She can't save herself. She has nobody, nothing else to save, you know, except for her own redemption. And so, uh, Eddie is going to either end up like her or he'll live the idealized life. He was sort of trying to get to like to beat Minnesota fats and whatever that leads to.
0: Well, she's also in that scene where after he kicks Charlie out, you know, she says that like, are you going to do that to me next? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's, she's falling in love with him, but worried at the same time that he's going to throw her away you know, and, and it's kind of true. Like Eddie needs Eddie at this point needs somebody to prop him up. And at first it's Charlie to get him going. And then it's her to emotionally heal him and, and, you know, get him going again. And then it's sort of Bert from a financial perspective that he's going to finance his uh, career basically, and and sort of sell out to him like Minnesota fats did. But uh would that be worth it that's sort of what he's battling against so i don't know i just i i feel like i i really love her performance i think she does such a such a great job um it's just again yet another character with with so much depth and a lot going on underneath the surface yeah um, the
1: performance is great for sure yeah the character You know, David, that was a great point. I, with you saying that, like that, makes a lot of sense. Um, So I, 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 I appreciate that point of view. Um, I'm a a genius. I don't even remember what I said. (laughs) You are. Well, when you when this releases, you gotta go back and re listen to it, buddy. You're gonna be so proud of yourself.
0: Oh man, I'm so smart. You just did. did You just did did. a Joe versus the volcano, David. Oh my goodness.
2: (laughs) But you know, it, it is like sort of that you know you have to really look at it a couple of times right you know there's a surface level viewing and then what could you read into it that maybe wasn't intended but probably was right I I have no idea I mean you know we can attach whatever we want to what these flawed characters are doing but yeah I feel like she was always sort of this uh inevitability of of you know demise i mean she's
0: a
1: catalyst throughout Mm -hmm. throughout yeah you know so
2: and it could have and the thing is it could have gone either way for 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 both characters right they both could have like sort of lived happily ever after in a sense but his obsession is one thing and her her inability to you know get herself away from whatever the darkness that is pulling her to drink and and all of that while she's a she's well read she's creative she all that and you don't you don't and it's, it's like that's the one thing that's missing from the movies like what else is it about her yeah. to make her more interesting what is the what's the reality versus the fantasy that eddie sort of built up in his head from the day he met her you know like how interesting is she really you know and i'm sure there's there, there's a lot there but you don't we don't get to see it because it's it's eddie's story and it's early 60s and it's it's a guy's well and i'll, be, story.
1: I'll, I'll... I'll be excited to circle back on this conversation a little bit when we get again to the to mm-hmm. the color of money to see
2: does, does her ghost show up?
1: <laughs> no, no, not <laughs> not in not not in not in a uh, uh, a ghostly way. But does he but mention what, her? Does she come up? I think we see him there grow oh. from the lessons that he learned. Oh, okay, from that relationship, I the, would say. But, I, yeah
0: absolutely i mean there's 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 stuff that definitely plays in and there is um there is a scene where it it comes up so i i don't want to say too much about it david but yeah you'll we're you'll gonna catch circle it. back
2: who's um, the who's the female protagonist is it meredith baxter bernie from from family ties like who we you know who's the
0: Who's the analog in the,
2: the second movie? What,
0: what? Well, it's it's really Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, but she's mm. paired with Tom Cruise. So yeah, oh, yes. okay. Um, but
1: we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's, we're getting ahead. of I ourselves. haven't
0: seen
2: it. You don't stop ruining it.
0: Circling back just to, to Sarah Packard. Remember also, this is a very early, uh, you know, sort of spotlight on depression and alcoholism, especially, yeah. um, you know, w- with a woman that you didn't see that. Uh, at, at that time really at all i mean there's uh, i think the days of was it the days of wine and roses and um who's afraid afraid of virginia wolf with elizabeth taylor but you know the you really didn't see it too often so this <laughs> is uh the one of the early spotlights of it so i think it's an important role in that respect too
2: well i'm like you know drinking back then drinking in the early 1900s and through those decades right i mean it's and it's still today depending on what sucks to people it's like if you're if you drink you're you know you're a sinner you're there's a there's a a moral failure right as just drink as a someone who drinks so you call him a drunk you know like that the where we growing up like you know someone you know a young 20 something being drunk and walking home from the bar is kind of funny or accepted it's like that's like a moral failing by the previous generations, right? Like, so there's a taboo to, you know, being to, to someone who publicly like would drink or whatever, you know, so it's, there's, there's so much, there's a lot of baggage to it. And it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, it's not just the drinking, right? And, you know, we, there's a, a larger societal sort of stigma to the whole thing that is attached to this in this movie. I would think that, you know, resonates. Oh
0: yeah. Um, let's switch gears back to George C. Scott uh, This is, I think, his third film, film role ever? ever at the time like He's Ooh. so early in his career This is another one, the first standout role for him
2: He's 15 years old in this movie if you can
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think he is just amazing at pretty much a pure villain I mean, we don't really see any kind of... I, I think you see... I think you see a brief kind of glimpse of you know regret and sorrow about what happened with Sarah. I don't think his intention was to drive her to suicide. You know, I think he would have been... He was happy yeah, but, to just get rid of her, but... I, yeah, I but he really treated like, her like... He treated her like... Totally. Trash. I mean, and, he was horrible to her. And he uh, essentially raped her as well. Um, Is, that that, right? Is that right? Well of you obviously we see him force himself on her and then she backs off but then she sort of comes to him afterwards like mm. he he opened that door he pushed that door open and let her come through it but you know i think at that point she she saw sort of no way out for herself and and made that choice but but he sort of pushed her into it so you know he didn't huh I have a little diff. I mean, I don't... I mean, I, yeah.
1: I, I feel like she did have a way out. Like, you know, he... I mean, this whole scene is very interesting, right? Like, he does. He comes in. He offers her money. She says, you know, put it on the bed. Isn't that what they say? But he does leave this money on the bed. She could have very easily taken the money and, and left. Like, I think it was a, her own decision to go... Into there, but I think she was spiraling so much. Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, "I'm gonna continue," you know, to go down. Like I'm just gonna go 100%. down in a
0: in a full blaze. Well, I, and that's I think that's a that's a common thing with depression. That, that sure someone as an outsider watching someone dealing with depression, like you can see a path out. You're not in it with right like you can see like you just need to do this and things are going to get better but they in the moment don't do not cannot see it like they they
1: make all the decisions that are you know each this each next decision puts them in a worse
0: spot right 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 again it
1: it comes to the self-sabotage
0: yeah and that's what was going on really with her there but yeah um he was definitely adding to it he was yeah he definitely look i mean he he perpetuated
1: that situation Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, even from the get go, when they had their first scene in the room after fast Eddie had left to go, you know, hang out with some of his old pool shark buddies, you know, like, I mean, it sets it up, you know, like he basically is telling her that he's going to use her and he's going to pay her back somehow. She's going to tell him what it is or whatever. Like, I mean, the whole scene is very, you know, like, it's, it's, all, it's all a setup for us to, to come back to it and, and have this ultimate demise. But, you know, it, it's I, I do think that when you say that he, like, raped her or was, like, you know, like, I think he came on to her and pushed pushed that kind of thing. But, like, I think her decision to go back in was less about him and more about her self-destruction
0: yeah yeah i okay yeah i see that but i don't know i
1: i mean it's icky in any it's, way you it's any awful, way you cut it. like it's exactly all, it's all gar- like it it not a feel-good scene in any way yeah. shape or form like none of it is you know like it's right. all really sad and and you know like really shows just how despicable he is and how broken she is you yeah. know and it's, you know, kind of the ultimate um, finale of, you know, I mean, it's obviously the next scene is her, you know, taking her life. So, yeah. not that we yeah. see that, but we see the aftermath. Yeah. We see, her, a,
0: we see her setting it up. Yeah.
2: Bird yeah. is a master manipulator and, um, and an opportunist, right? Mm-hmm. It's he yeah. is the absolute different. I mean, we don't get enough of Charlie, but we we learn as we kind of if we're going to compare and contrast, he's Charlie's opposite. We didn't, you know, they're both the the goal of like making money and all that and all that. But like for Charlie, it was about the relationship and the the fun and you know the relate uh, of their friendship. And then you know uh, where money was secondary. And it's the, it's the absolute reverse for Bert. And so she is just, she's an object. She is a, you know, he, he kisses her and, and tries to make something happen. And he, he sees her as an obstacle to the money that, you know, Eddie can make him and all of that. And it just, it feels all of the negative stuff that she is going through. Um, and he, you know, he kind of probably lives very, uh, uh, guilt-free yeah. I think,
0: whereas Charlie probably would be very devastated by all that. And he peppers in all these, you know, the, the loser comments at Eddie and, and he, you know, when he kind of, he makes a comment talking to Eddie, but really directing it at, at Sarah about being a cripple. Mm. If we can, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can say that word either anymore, but.
1: Well, I mean, she, I mean, in the context of this podcast, just to, So we, I think we can, because she does write it on the mirror in that scene when she's right before she takes her, her life, she writes, you know, perverted, twisted and crippled. Like those are the three words that she writes in lipstick, you know, and those are obviously like, it seems to me like she's projecting her thoughts Mm -hmm. of herself, you know, and that's like, those are her last kind of thoughts of, of what she thinks about herself before she does does this thing right? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, right. And I mean, when when they get on the train together, you know, Eddie's just recovered from his broken thumbs. He's you know sort of coming back, and and Sarah, it's you you know mentioned earlier in the film that she's got she walks with a limp, so that there's some some physical uh, impairment there. But but uh, Bert makes a comment at Eddie he said, "Oh, I thought I was going to be dealing with a cripple," and and Sarah's sitting right there, you know, so it's just like very manipulative uh, you know jabs that he's got at both of them. And then he intentionally just keeps calling Eddie a loser just to keep him stirred up and sort of under his his thumb. and and George C. Scott is just so good at playing that character who's like just got this slick outward appearance and uh, you know, that cool kind of 60s vibe, but underneath is just a complete snake.
1: Well, right. I mean, the whole point, he's a bully, right? Like the whole point is to make his power is making everybody around him feel lesser, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's why he's in in so many scenes. He talks to Fast Eddie about how he's a loser and he's always going to be a loser. And, you know, I mean, he's just he's always trying to keep people down so that he can manipulate them and take
0: advantage and use them. Yeah. Yeah. And when when he yells, you know, like you owe me money. When he yells that line at yeah. the end, I mean, like time stops. You know, yeah. Like, he, that is that is a voice that you listen. to. It's the to.
1: most emotion you see from him the whole time, and it yeah. resonates. Yeah, it echoes.
0: And that's that's you know he's he's, you know Eddie is his racehorse, and and he sees a lot of money there, and he doesn't really care about what happened. That to him. If Eddie's able to put it behind him, that they can make move forward and make a lot of money together. And who knows, maybe that's maybe that's how he got Minnesota Fats. Maybe that's was something similar happened and and Fats was able to just like turn that emotional side of him off. But Eddie can't do that and isn't willing to do that. So <clears throat> that final scene where after all this and it's sort of everything comes to a head i mean that entire scene is just a thing of beauty from the acting from on, on every level the acting performance the reaction you know part of great acting is is the way you react to other actors and watching george c scott and jackie gleason in that scene is just is just amazing they what what they can do without any dialogue
2: that manipulation of of things of like in their darkest place like it yeah it it, it, he is such a villain right georgie scott is really that villain that that she can only after all of this whatever eddie might have been providing for her that she can only see her in these in these very basic terms as a pervert and a cripple and all of that like that that you know which at, at at the time was such a more derogatory i mean you don't you don't use that term today but like it's an insult right like there's some you know you have a weakness you you've you you have a handicap you know all of the like the, the way it's presented as you're less than fully human right you're you're a cripple um and that weighed on her among whatever other all these things that on her weighed on her and yeah i mean i don't i doubt it was his explicit intention but he absolutely drove her to to ending her own life and mm-hmm. it's um you know and it, they, they were both there for for eddie and Eddie couldn't see couldn't see that where she was headed, and it's uh yeah it's 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 really kind of gross <laughs> yeah that uh, that Bert uh, you know made things go that way. I didn't really anticipate it. I didn't I didn't see that coming. You know? Yeah, and then well, it was kind of a shocker.
0: The whole last you know quarter of the movie is yeah is sort of unpredictable. but there's yeah. no way you could see where it was going to end and. And the, the actual ending of the, the film going back to that, the second uh, game between fast Eddie and Minnesota fats is just amazing. Cause he comes in there and basically like, I think it's supposed to be a little more competitive than it comes across, but it comes across to me that like, he just destroys Minnesota fats that he comes in there and he's clean and sober and just driven by pure emotion. And there's no distractions. He just comes in and plays like the best pool game he's ever played. Yeah. But it's at a price that, you know, he threatens to kill Bert (laughs) and that Bert for some reason, and maybe this is that minimal amount of humanity in him lets him, he's like, I'm not going to like, we're not going to go after you. We're going to let you walk out of here. But you never, you can never come back. You can never play pool, big time pool, again. Yeah, and that's the choice that Eddie's got to make. And that's where we see he's found his humanity. That he's found his, um, you know, his self fulfillment through loss. That he's he realizes that he had everything right in the palm of his hand, and now he's for whatever reason it's all gone now. the The woman that he loved, the the game that he loved you know the whole direction his life was going in is now gone but he's found his you know he's found himself through losing that so it's sort of that dark ending that is sort of film noir-ish and unlike you know a lot of other uh, you know big studio movies at the time to have a dark ending like that but it's sort of this mix of like dark but I don't know sort of rewarding too that you know, he doesn't get the hero's win, but he does. It's sort of like Rocky a little bit. Like Rocky didn't win that fight, but he won for himself. Right. Like Tommy <clears throat> the Machine Gun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here yeah. we go again. And when I say Rocky, I always mean Rocky Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't think it, that final
1: uh, pool match against. Minnesota Fats was supposed to be close. I feel like the intention was that Paul Newman came in and just cleaned up because yeah, right. he would have cleaned up the first time had he not gotten all. Yeah, he did. Slobbery yeah. on himself. Right. He you know? got, so, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I mean, he's just that much better a pool player. But like if he's not getting in his own way, like really nobody stands a chance.
0: Well, when so S- Sarah says it too, when, when they first go to her apartment, that he's too hungry, you know, he's like, you know kind of physically all over her um but that's a good you know i think that that speaks in a broader sense about his character that you know he was too hungry for that win over over minnesota fats in the beginning and cost him
2: And well, like minnesota playing it's so so even keel and cool like eddie wasn't getting to him right The 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 victory would have been from minnesota just losing his mind over all this and and wanting to bet more or whatever but he played it the entire time he might have lost thousands and thousands of dollars to him and didn't blink and just let and he let eddie let lose and lose himself in the whole Mm -hmm. procedure Mm -hmm. so well so it is that the difference of character versus talent like that bert was sort of saying you know like you don't have any character um because if eddie did eddie would have beat him honorably and left and Crowned himself the king, but there is something about the way of making Minnesota like he needed Minnesota to crown him by either losing his mind or admitting defeat and all that, and it doesn't happen. So it, you know, Eddie Eddie becomes his own downfall. I think in that. Well, but
0: but Bert's use of the term character, I don't think is the same as what we refer to as character. When Bert uses the word character, it sort of means, yeah, exactly, like means. You're gonna work for me. You're gonna you're gonna be right. Like you're gonna give me 75% of all your winnings. Like that's yeah. what he means by character. He means play ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I think what what we normally refer to as character is is um I don't know, is sort of like maybe. Integrality, integrity yeah yeah
2: well i think that's that's the perversion of it right like so yeah. bert you know bert has a certain way to define character but the reality of of it is he's lacking character in the other direction so it's it, it it has a double meaning there there's a duality of of you know what eddie really needs to move on and 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 succeed in whatever the hell he's trying to do mm-hmm. so i think it's there i think that's it's probably that I think what you're saying is like it doesn't mean the same when Bert says it, but the actual meaning
1: does still apply.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just some dumb guy watching movies. <laughs> no, <laughs> we
1: already established earlier in the show you're a genius. Yeah. I'm um, yeah. Stop I'm sure. playing. Stop playing. I don't
2: know nothing about no movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch kung fu shit. <laughs> there was a severe lack of kung fu in this movie. There, there was. was severe lack
0: of kung a lot severe. of yeah. lot of a uh, lot of stuff on the editing room floor. I heard yeah. of uh <laughs> yeah, a lot of the kung fu. <laughs> they yeah. left all yeah. the kung fu out. Yeah, is it? it just totally when we yeah. <laughs> A they very decided young, to take
1: it a different direction.
0: Yeah. very young Bruce Lee in a few uh, yeah deleted scenes. <laughs> you know what I just realized? So I was uh,
1: Piper Laurie to go back to her just for a second. This was the last movie, so there was a fifteen-year gap in between her doing movies after mm-hmm. she had finished this. Before her next movie, which was equally intense, Carrie. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. a that's a big break, man. I mean, for as great a performance as it was, for her to not, you know, do much acting, I, and looking into it, it, it sounds like she took some time off to, for family and, and whatnot. So it's completely like personal choice. But I have to imagine, like, she was just getting offers. Like, you know, I would, I would yeah. imagine after this, like, she, she did such a great job in this movie that, that, you know, she was turning down work left and left and right. I yeah, think.
0: I there has to be something behind that. I don't know enough about her career to speak to it one way or another. But just reading between the lines, there has to be something that went on there. I mean, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this. Yeah, uh, and so many nominations. How many nominations did this movie end up getting? This nine? was, was it uh, nine. Uh, hold, I think it was nine. It won two, right? Cinematography and... Yeah, it won, yes. Yeah, nine Oscar nomination, two wins. It won for uh, cinematography and art direction. Mm. And actually, this one for black and white cinematography because I think there was a period of time where they had a separate category for cinematography and color Mm. or for black and white and color. So, but um, yeah, yeah, there's got to be something to why, more to why she took such a long break so
2: we'll have to get her on the show and ask her what's up well, yeah. with
0: that we should get her on the after show after the hustler we what,
2: what were you doing
0: yeah
1: Piper,
2: yeah. Piper I what's, guess
1: what's up I guess Kim Novak was also supposed to potentially play the part in, mm. from Psycho it, Uh no
0: from Vertigo, uh, Vertigo. Right.
2: right yeah okay. I, was, I was in the Hitchcock verse the Hitchcockian
1: is
0: verse. that the That's Hitchcock correct.
2: verse <laughs> the Hitch- <laughs> yeah
1: yes that
0: five times fast <laughs> um can't be done and obviously we talked about paul newman already but there's there's yeah. there's always room to talk about him uh some more he's great and and his delicious salad dressings <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we haven't mentioned
1: and newman's own ones uh,
2: we haven't <laughs>
1: that we, comes so much
2: later the charity driven Newman. That
1: act. was how I knew Paul Newman as a kid. I was like, I oh, it. the salad dressing. A guy. Sweet yeah, sweet Italian
0: dressing <laughs> and a ranch. Yeah. Oh. On top of being a great human, he's also a great actor. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, no, just, you know, seeing the the arc of this character and, and where Eddie Felsen ends up for, compared to, you know, how he starts off in the film is. I don't know. He's just, he's, he's Newman is such an interesting actor to me of, of able to pull off that kind of role, uh, that he would do so often. And, and he's competing the, when he's coming up through the fifties, he's competing with directly with Marlon Brando and with James Dean. You know, they all came up at the same time. Um, you know, Steve I think McQueen. a lot of, McQueen is yep. right behind oh. we we talked about that. That's right. I'm sorry
2: I can't keep it tra- I can't keep track the
0: McQueen Newman rivalry right um, comes after this but uh, you know <laughs> Newman was just grew up in a in Shaker Heights, Ohio, a small town uh, His father owned a department like the biggest department store in town. He joined the Navy, comes out gets into theater and then joins the actors studio where he's surrounded with this. I mean, amazing group of actors and the actor Lee Strasberg's actor studio was what uh, I don't know if it invented, but definitely emphasized method acting and that style where actors really became their characters and lived those characters 24 seven while they were playing those roles, which is very challenging to work with people who who play it that way, because okay now you're not treating them as an actor you're treating them as this character who is what you know whatever personality but um so I, newman
2: I, I heard on uh in uh, for american pie everyone had to call uh what's the face they call them stifler for six months, yeah, cool. that is a
1: great example of the Lee Strasberg acting <laughs> mm-hmm. school. Let's not worry about Daniel Day Lewis. Sean Sh- or... William Scott insisted <laughs> everyone calls
2: him Stifler for six months. It's crazy.
1: Still does, actually, from what I hear.
2: Yeah, and it got worse on
0: Goon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. way worse there. Yeah,
1: I like Goon by the way. It was a good <laughs> he movie. came around on the sequel though, Goon Two. You gotta see Goon Two. Yeah. I do. I like Goon a lot. I thought it was really even Goonie. It is it, it, yeah, even goonier. <laughs> even goonier. <laughs> Goon is good. I, I'm not I, Oh, yeah, uh, no. I
2: I saw right Goon in, I saw yeah. Goon in the theater, I think. Yeah. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Um so Newman though, separately right. from Sean William Scott. Paul Newman. Uh, Paul also Newman also an actor. <laughs> yeah. Uh same caliber, here. same caliber. Yeah, right. That's blasphemy. I know, I know. Uh, comes up through the 50s doing a lot of studio films uh, of which and I watched a lot of that stuff uh, when he passed and and it was it was some of it was tough some of it, like had really aged uh, poorly and um, would just wasn't really what he was all about it, it's it's odd seeing him play characters that really like anybody could have played and uh, didn't have that newman shine on it uh until this um he he started with the silver chalice and then kind of starts the 60s with this film and this is really really a, a good opportunity for him he wasn't even supposed to do this film he was originally going to be doing another film with elizabeth taylor who he had worked with on uh, cat on a hot tin roof and she was on Cleopatra, which went so far over schedule famously over schedule and over budget that suddenly the movie they were going to do wasn't going to happen. And he was now available. He got the script for The Hustler, uh, read half of it and stopped and said, I'm in. I don't need nice. to read the rest. I'm, I'm in. Nice. So and that was, um, you know, this was the first role where he was that sort of anti-establishment, anti, you know, anti-hero that um, with the rebellious attitude, which was, you know, also was being notes that were being played by Brando and James Dean, but he sort of hits it in a different way. Um, that I, I, there's just something about his personality that I think it, I don't know, in my opinion, I would watch a Newman movie over a Brando or a James Dean movie like a- any day. I just felt more believable. He always seemed like...
1: Even Godfather.
0: I, <laughs> well, that's a different Brando. Okay, that's that's a different brand. That's
2: an ensemble well, movie. Yeah, that's an ensemble. But movie. <laughs> I hear it's like though. that's yeah. an ocean. That's the Ocean's Eleven of all the Brando movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something about the way Newman plays all these characters just makes them feel so real like he does they, it doesn't feel overly theatrical it still feels grounded and it feels like eddie felson is a real person and not just a you know a movie character
2: yeah that's what newman does <laughs> you look like
0: you were gonna say something i got nothing to add valid <laughs> point it's pretty uh, much yeah and this obviously, like, really boost you know boosted him up into the the you know star status. It Really cemented his the rest of his career. That uh, you know this led to you know eventually led to Cool Hand Luke and led to Butch Cassidy and just major major movies. And he's one of the big stars of the '60s and into the '70s. Um, but it really begins uh, begins here. Do we you know we didn't even talk about who wrote and directed this movie. Get into it. So this film was uh, written and directed by uh, Robert Rawson, who is a Russian Jewish immigrant, grew up very, very poor. Uh, he as a kid, he was a pool hustler and a, oh. a part time boxer to try to get, uh, you know, make ends meet. He got in a theater in the 30s and started screenwriting uh, by the late 30s. Uh, wrote and directed All the King's Men uh, w- in 1949, which was, you know how as we were growing up, there would be those Oscar, those movies that dominated at the Oscars. Well, that was All the King's Men in in 1949. It, it uh, was nominated for seven Oscars at one three, including Best Picture. And his career is really on the fast track. Hmm. Uh, and then the House Committee of Un-American, Un-American Activities what? Uh, yeah, the- kind of put. Put Uh-oh. a stop to that! Oh no! Yeah, this is. I think this is
1: the most interesting thing about this guy is the whole, the whole black Yeah, situation that happened with communism. I mean, Uh-oh. he got this Trump guy owed. was
0: right. This guy was right in the middle of it.
1: You know? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you know, at the time they're investigating, it's a committee that was assigned to investigate communist activity in America, and there was a portion of it that really focused on Hollywood and um you know filmmakers and writers that were had too many uh you know were leaning too far to the left yeah so well, i mean and and
1: uh, i mean this guy was admittedly part of the communist party at one point but right. he was 10 years separated from from heavy involvement. well uh, heavy i don't know of any involvement Right when right. when all this happened,
0: so yeah. there was some truth to this guy sure. being part of it, but sure, and yeah, and, and so he had been a, a member of it, and I think by by 1945 had left that party, and when this is all happening, it's the early 1950s, and you know they they the, him along with Robert Rosson, along with many other writers, directors, actors were really their careers were pretty much you know, ground to a halt while this, these investigations were going on and they weren't allowed to work until they named other people who were involved. And initially he refused to and wouldn't name anybody and uh, pled the fifth. But then after a couple of years of being blacklisted, not allowed to work, he, uh, you know, like so many of the, uh, of those people came back to the table and, and confessed and named, named names and, and it affected the rest of their careers. Elliot Kazan, another legendary filmmaker, um, had the same problem. And, and I remember in, I think, like 99 or 2000 at the Oscars, when they gave him a, a Lifetime Achievement Award, like half the audience stood up and applauded and gave him a standing ovation. The other half, I remember seeing Ed Harris and, and his wife just like just seated and not moving Oh really angry looks on their faces <laughs> whoa yeah really so oh yeah yeah I mean there were people what? that would <laughs> would not work with these people um the rest of their careers so
2: because they were communists fifty years ago
0: yeah
1: oh, well they were they were tagged as communists. some of them may or not have been. Jesus you know, Christ. I feel right. like some of it was a bit of a witch hunt.
2: Absolutely, well, yeah. Just, just to let you know, guys, when it's time for me to main, name names, you're going down. So <laughs> we knew it. When, when the Hollywood wouldn't expect and, and,
0: anything different, David. David Wickers
2: comes for us for reconsideration. You guys are that's it. I'm selling yeah. you both out.
0: We have a backup plan in place. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, wait, so to lighten it up a
2: little, we're men who grew up and we teens once what is your personal experience with pool how much pool did you play did you get good did you ever did you ever hustle or did you ever have like just like a really good game
0: i've had i've had i've on and off played like i went through periods where i played a lot and then mm-hmm. i would go years where i didn't and then i'd play a lot you know it started with brent actually in college we had a mm-hmm. pool table right in our dorm nice yeah. Which was not in good shape. Well, I'll no. say that. Yeah, <laughs> I had a pool table in my house growing up, so I played oh.
1: a lot as a kid. I used to play Rock. in high school. We used to go to to pool halls pretty often. Yeah, because uh, you could be underage and sm- I smoked a lot of cigarettes as a high schooler, and you could go and still smoke inside yep. in the pool halls. Uh, I didn't drink much in high school, but I'm sure you could have gotten alcohol there, but played yeah. a lot. I was never very good. So I never did any of the, the hustling, yeah. uh, just geometry was not really one of my, my strongest suits. I understood how yeah. to play and I, I, I could, but I was never like great, you know, sure, but sure. played with a bunch of friends for sure.
2: Yeah. Growing up, I, uh, a friend of mine, Mark, he, uh, he had a basement, and they had a pool table, and he had a, this nice, like, bigger house in this like development we lived in. And I was like, "Ooh, like, this, you know, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark's fam- family, you know, did all right for themselves, and uh, like, this was like this point of like I was impressed, right? And so that's when I first started playing pool was with over at Mark's house and um, learning the geometry of things and all of that, and then. You know, in 94, 95, when I had a personal computer, there was a game called Virtual Pool. Mm. It actually, like, helped. It actually just, like, would show you the physics of stuff. And I played a lot of that shit. And uh, it actually, I think it improved my game just somewhat. And for, like, basic shots. Not, like, when you got to put some English on the ball or anything like that. Um, But it was fun to, like, I I, I remember, like, playing at a real pool table. And I was like, oh, I, I did better than I thought you know like i was hitting shots that i and i know i i learned it from virtual pool and then you know i had some you know through college just some fun times and and you know won some games and stuff i wasn't very good necessarily like you know not not no hustler or anything but like it was fun to play pool and i haven't played pool in years um this kind of made me like miss it a lot
0: like, like this, it's fun Pool's, uh, pool's it, great i mean pool's, pool's so much so fun, fun.
1: Well, and it's yeah. funny you say that because after this movie released, like the popularity of pool and billiards started to rise significantly across uh-huh. the United States. So um,
2: like, it became a little more mainstream, probably, like where there's pool halls all over town, all over these cities. Mm-hmm. More average Joes were probably playing some pool. Right. Oh, wow. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie did very, very well, uh, was very popular on, on a, a lot of levels financially, you know, uh, at the awards, uh, for the awards circuit and, and boosting Paul Newman and all of that just drew so much attention to it that it went, you know, it was definitely already around there. Hence they made this movie, but then it just became even more popular and just sort of mm. like put a pool table here, just put one in, you know, every bar should just have one. So, yeah. um, yeah i love it i miss playing i wish i could play it more often I mm-hmm. uh, you know i don't have the right space for it right. uh but i will have one installed uh in my office yeah your I office re- is
2: gigantic
0: yeah i don't that know corner why.
1: office
2: yeah
0: i don't, I don't know it's why you don't have one Seventy five hundred square feet so i think i i think i can rearrange a bit to put a <laughs> you're gonna have to
1: move the sectional but i'm yeah <laughs>
0: one yeah, of them you'll make it's a 28 piece sectional <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but just circling back to Robert Ross and just to kind of wrap up his involvement here so sure. he uh, eventually was desperate to work. came back name names he was allowed to start working again and then his career really uh, flourished again and and the hustler is one of the first movies he did after that and and I mean this is his greatest film for sure and it's just there's so much that works Uh, you know thematically him having an immigrant background I think those those themes sort of tie in with winning and losing and and trying to make it in America you know that like there was an emotional core for him and his story was sort of being told through this Um, visually speaking the cinematography is fantastic Uh, The editing is fantastic. There's um, the cinematographer is uh, Eugene Shufton, who had a particular way of using mirrors in in the background that you'd never, Mm -hmm. instead of like matte paintings, he would use a mirror effect that was, that he developed. And I guess, I don't know when it sort of, you know, died down, but, but for a long time, that was how you extended sort of, the backgrounds and made these, you know, pool halls look deeper. And these, um, you know, these, these sets seem bigger than they were, but it really captured the environment of those, those, those pool halls. And you could almost like feel the cigarette smoke and the, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes how tight those spaces are. And, um, and then the scope of like, where, where Minnesota fats is playing and where Bert Gordon's uh, you know, working out of. So um, it, it feels a little bit film noirish, but um, just with sort of a '60s sort of look. Just a little bit on top of that. So,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's I. It's very. I, I really do like the visual style of the whole film. That's
0: yeah, absolutely. And the the fast paced sort of editing too. D.D. Allen's editing of like get it really getting intense close ups of. The actual pool, the balls, the the sticks, the players, the people watching, just really capturing the intensity of all of it. Just really, really well done. All of it ties together to make a a near perfect film. So it reminds uh,
2: me of uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Fresh Prince of Bel Airs episodes, where <laughs> Will was was hustling and then he got hustled, and then Uncle Phil comes. And then yeah, he hustles.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: And, and Jeffrey pulls out Lucille for him. And then, and then I remember uh,
1: that episode.
2: And Uncle Phil clears the table a couple of times, gets the money. That's a good back. one. That's a great stuff. And then there's a Quantum Leap episode that I just, oh, I adore. Oh, uh, Quantum. Oh, yeah. There's the, Look that at you. The, That Quantum. Uh, that episode was called Pool Hall Blues, it took place in 1954. And uh, Sam leaps into uh, a pool shark as well. Who I think is maybe past his prime in, in the reality, but hmm. uh, Sam's got to take care of business. Some pool hall rivals.
1: And, that, had, and, uh, that had to be that had to be a direct outcome of Color of Money.
2: Maybe,
0: yeah, Probably, yeah. That was within a few years of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That episode
2: came out in uh, 1990. Um, yeah. everybody likes a good a
0: good pool hall episode of of a series, of course, right? Especially the, like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Was There a pool episode. I don't know. There should have been. Should have been. <laughs> the uh deck. The Could episode of the... Dixon Hill storyline.
2: I don't think Dixon Hill is playing pool. <laughs> but uh, no, the Fresh Prince episode was called uh, Banks Shot. So that's nice. There you go. Anyway, just like this is I'm in for pool action. Give me yeah. give me cool pool action. That's cool. Why. Pool. I hope Color of Money's got way more pool and a lot more action.
0: Well, uh the hustler. Ended up with nine Oscar nominations. Oh, all right, it uh, it only That's... had two wins, but all the actors were were nominated. Uh, Robert Rawson was nominated for uh, uh, director and best picture and uh, screenplay, which he wrote with Sidney Carroll. Uh, but yeah, only the art direction and cinematography won it. Uh, it was released on September twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one. It had a budget of two point one million, which is a lot of money. Yikes that's Probably. a lot of pool balls <laughs> uh and then it uh but it ended up with a 7.6 million dollar worldwide uh, box office so that's a huge hit for that uh that era
2: this movie was huge in china <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah a, a hit but um you know we're sort of left with a question mark of where where, where do you think david not having seen the color of money, where do you think uh fast Eddie Felson would have ended up?
2: Oh, like what would be the next thing? Yeah, like he after settled... he
0: walks out of that pool hall, what do you think
2: his he would life have, uh, into? eventually settled down, become a substitute school teacher/slash volunteer firefighter? And, wow. uh, small town, small never town. seen
1: the color of money.
2: Uh, no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, based on this
0: movie, this is what I think would happen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to find out. Not too far off. Yeah. Get we're... out of town. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. If you huh? tell
1: me he's a substitute
0: teacher.
1: The... No, that's kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: got He runs a dry cleaning business and it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, well, we, we are going to find out as we are going to continue let's do it. The Newman new year in 2022. Uh, we're going to, we're going to head right, right to the next, uh, entry into this. I don't even know if I'd call it a series, but, uh, we are going to look at the color of money and talk about where Eddie ended up and Paul Newman in the eighties and what, how his career had sort of evolved to that point where he stood at that, at that time, Tom Cruise coming into play, and this is not Tom Cruise that we know now. This is early Tom Cruise, uh, plus Martin Scorsese, right in sort of the middle of his career, similar to what we talked about after hours a few years ago. So, hmm. um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you think, David. So, uh, Jimmy, maybe let's... Right. I, I've been dying to watch Color of Money too.
2: This is this this this, this, this duo of movies, uh, John. I've mentioned to you many times. Yeah, and this is this is finally now we're finally doing it. We're doing it, and oh in fact, God.
0: we should uh, fire up uh, screening room twelve. Let's get it going right now. Let's, Let's go. Leave, I'm gonna run in we're, there. We're gonna leave the booth and go right into the to the screening room and and uh, just force David to watch it right now.
2: I'm not forced. I'm, I do I do it voluntarily and willingly. So <laughs> I am uh,
0: excited get for some this popcorn.
2: Next. I want some popcorn. Maybe a, a large cherry coke. I'm ready
0: all right well uh we're looking forward to having you guys back and a quick shout out and thank you to our friends uh curtis moore for the poster as usual and uh ek wimmer thank you for the theme music and don't forget to check out his podcast laser graves and uh our our guest co-host from last week Jay blake Vichera. don't forget to check out uh scored to death his uh podcast and his book series So check those out, and uh, we will see you guys next time for The Color of Money on Reconsimation. Take care. Bye now.